As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Uh, welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking this over. You're so guarding my intro? Yes, it's not Panther Puri today. It's goalies who are also parents, uh, parents talk. That's that's got to be a working title. We we, we got to I need we gotta alliteration. Get uh, some get some more out of that. We got to yeah. squeeze that. I'm Alex Lopez, and my main co-host today is uh, David Dwork, father of two and also a goalie. Jacob and TJ are here. David, how's parenthood going for you lately? Spectacular. It is way better than the goaltending part of my life. Um. Yeah. <laughs> From uh, a watching has... or playing perspective. Oh, ouch. Jake from the top rope early. Um, now I was referring to my playing, but yes, yeah, so this is a Panthers podcast, so I knew that that topic was going to come up eventually, huh? <laughs> Although I am being a little bit harsh, like that's that's a little bit of recency bias uh, because last night the goaltending was not particularly good, but on the whole, since the All Star break, it's Bob's been extremely good. I actually have the stats up for this because I was looking at because it it seems like. Like I tweeted during the Blues game, since the All-Star break, the Panthers have been getting hemmed in their own zone a lot. And so I was looking at a variety of things. I actually started looking at the power play. And bizarrely enough, third in expected goals for, you know, rate since the All-Star break, despite I don't think they've even scored on the power play. But anyway, going back to the goaltending, they've given up nine goals at five on five since the all-star break and have given up 13 point something expected goals. So over that short of a sample size, saving four goals above expected is a huge, huge, you know, uh, performance from the, from the goaltending. And I mean, it's really just Bob because we know that Spencer did not have a good performance as far as the expected goals go last night. So that that really shows that the the goaltending has been a major strength with Bob in net in February. That's kind of the, the story with Bob, though, isn't it? Like when he's making those big high, you know, high danger saves, the the frustrating goals are are way easier to live with. And, and granted, I mean, to Bob's credit, the, he's really cut back on those as well. Like the the game, um, what was it in Minnesota? They, they, they had the two to one win in a shootout. The one goal was like, oh, you know, it's like a sharp angle, weird, yeah. you know, he's kind of flippity floppy, whatever. Really weird but goal. that's the, but that was the only one. So, you know, if that's going to be the case, you live with that, you know, eight days out of seven. Um, if that can be the Bob that they get for the rest of the season, then yeah, I mean, the outlook looks pretty damn good if that's the case. Now, we have the last time we saw Bob show that kind of consistency and play well regularly was last year around playoff time that was probably the best we've seen him so if he's getting clicking into that mode now uh you know i would 
yeah, I, I would think that the Panthers, you know, as long as the uh, the forward lines don't fall off a cliff, that they should be able to at least scratch their way into a playoff spot. Yeah. That, was that pun intentional? Because of it's the Panthers and Claws and everything? Yeah. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, you're right. Like, the goaltending is clicking into place. The offense has been good. I know TJ is going to immediately jump out and talk about how the first line hasn't been good. But, you know, they're scoring a lot more than they were earlier in the season. They're getting goaltending. I mean, last night excluded. Everything the defense is, there. is bad, though. The defense has been really bad. Yeah, the defense is not great. Um, Mark Stahl is not an NHLer at this point in his career. Uh, last night was a perfect example. I mean, he got walked by Nick Letty. Nick Oof. Letty. I mean, Spencer Knight's got to realize that Nick Letty was still in the NHL. Spencer Knight's got to make a save, but like when you're getting walked by a defenseman and like he didn't even make a passing attempt at uh, stopping Nick Letty, that's really bad. There were a lot of guys in the, in St. Louis who were not moving their feet at all. Uh, not to take away from you know Mark Stahl, and he did get you know kind of roasted like a chestnut by Nick Letty on that play, but. Um, if just watching like this, the second half of that game, particularly just when they got bogged down consistently in the defensive zone, that just nobody was moving their feet. Uh, it, it was, it was tough to watch because, you know, the night before in Minnesota, they had skated really well. It was like an inspiring performance and maybe they emptied the tank a little too much. I, I, I maybe actually using a phrase that Paul Maurice used. I think he said the same thing. So my apologies. Um, but I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to, right? Like, can they, we know what it's going to take, what it takes for them to play at their, at what they consider their best, the effort level that it takes top to bottom, because, you know, like we saw last year, they want to roll their four lines. They want to roll their 3d for them to play at that level. And we've heard it from Matthew Kachuk from earlier in the season, when he was talking about the, com- the compete level needed to be better. Can they do that? Can, can the team reach the point where they need to play this way consistently every game? We haven't really seen it yet. Yeah. Um, and they are running out of time. They cannot afford games like last night where they have nothing in the tank. They are they can if they win four out of five, and that's the one. Right. They can't. Okay, yes. But they, they got to go out and have a good rest of their road trip to justify what happened in St. Louis. Right. But that's the, but exactly what you're saying. They got to win four out of five, and they lost game two. Like, yes, yeah. it's the schedule has not been. the margin for error is like teeny teeny. I would yeah. say you got to get points in in four out of five just to be like a little bit more conservative. But like, if you get seven points out of five games the rest of the way, you are definitely getting in. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. just to go back to what you're saying about emptying the tank, I want to go back to the wild game. This is the time on ice for the Panthers' best players. Um, Barkov, 28 minutes. Verhage, 20 minutes. Sam Reinhart, 24 minutes. Sam Bennett, 20 minutes. Matthew Kachuk, 24 minutes. Aaron Ekblad, 27 minutes. Forsling, 23 minutes. Montour, 26 minutes. And then you got to get on a plane and fly to St. Louis and play another game. You know the only people with fresh legs? Grigory Denisenko, four minutes. Uh, Giovanni Smith, four minutes. Ryan Lomberg, seven minutes. Eric Stahl, nine and a half minutes. And Alex, why did they play so few minutes in that game? 
because they're not well with the exception of Josh Mahura and lately Eric Stahl they have not been good hockey players at all this season like the guys not getting minutes aren't very good I mean Grigory Denisenko has been fine but like he clearly doesn't have the trust of Paul Maurice yet but like they can't afford to put Mark Stahl out there uh I guess Mark Stahl played 16 minutes but like they can't afford to put Giovanni Smith out there. Ryan Lomberg hasn't been the Ryan Lomberg of the past two years. Like they can't put those guys out extended minutes in a one in a one one hockey game. They can't. And and this is where it seems so obvious to say these lineup decisions don't make sense. They're costing the team because Mark Stahl is the whipping boy. And, you know, it does feel like the right answer is to say, oh, this criticism of him is so overwrought and we really shouldn't be focusing on the depth players so much. But this is where that clearly becomes an issue because you have to play your Barkovs, your Verhages, your Kachucks, all those minutes because you don't have anybody else that you trust to play those minutes. You could dress some people that would probably be a lot better in those minutes, even maybe get the trust of the coach in those minutes. Remember in Pittsburgh, Colin White scored that huge goal in the third period. Colin White's a guy that hasn't been able to get into the lineup. Giovanni Smith is playing every game. What it like, I understand that, like, oh, you know, he's got jump and energy and he's can defend his teammates if there's a questionable hit or something like that. But you've got to get the points. You've got to stay in these games and you're clearly don't trust him in these situations. Cause you're not putting him out there in that wild game. He plays five minutes. So like, I, I really cannot find it within myself to accept that there's a good reason that Giovanni Smith is in the lineup and Colin White is not. I understand the rationale that would be used by people who like Giovanni Smith, people who support the decision, Paul Maurice himself. You know, oh, he's got jump and energy and he can defend our guys if there's a questionable hit, like I was saying. But that's just not going to do it when you have to get every point you can scrapping and crawling your way into the playoffs. He did everything he could to not say clawing there. I tried to remember what the word was, and it just wasn't coming to mind. <laughs> Tip I, of my tongue. I don't syndrome. know why we're why we're focusing so hard on Giovanni Smith in particular. Um, it's not good. because I mean, I then, see. I disagree. I like Giovanni Smith. I like him quite a bit, and I want to look at his most common teammates. Uh, it's Lomberg and Stahl. That's what I thought. Uh, with Lomberg and Stahl, when when Smith, Lomberg, and Stahl are on the ice together, 62.5% Corsi, 62.07 Fenwick, uh, 59.78 expected goals for, and uh, just for the record, all of that is better than Lomberg and Stahl without Giovanni Smith. So Smith makes the Stahl-Lomberg combo better. Look at the zone starts. No. I mean, <laughs> Giovanni I actually, Smith. Has, I actually don't know what his zone starts look like. Um, it's like thirty-seven percent defense. Yeah, that that's got that line. I'm sure is getting totally sheltered because otherwise, like, why wouldn't they be playing more if they're 
you know, producing those kind of minutes and those results. Oh, it's, you well, know, that's the it's, point of that line though. And it kind of ties into the, the issue of why Colin White isn't in uh, ahead of Giovanni Smith, why that line only plays, you know, a certain amount of minutes, why that line played what, like less than 10 minutes in Minnesota because of like 12 power plays. These guys are the Eric Stahl aren't seeing the ice that it plays a very specific role. All right. You guys know what they're going out there for. Yeah. They're going out there after a penalty kill or after, you know, when they need a high energy offensive zone start, when they need to muck it up in the D zone, they're not going out there and playing against the top two lines of the other team. So in, you know, when you talk about sheltering a line, it's, it's kind of like a happenstance, a circumstance of the purpose of that line. And is Colin white going to be able to play that role on that line? He's not, he's more of a scoring guy, less of a thumping guy. So that's why you wouldn't put him with on that line with those guys. Yeah. For what but, it's worth. I mean, not, not to talk about last year's team for the millionth time, but what made last year's team so good is your fourth line could go out and attack both aggressively dumping and offensively. Last year was what? Marchment, Lusterine. I mean, last year there were some really good players on that fourth line. I, I'm not saying, I mean, just in terms of like the depth and the way that it trickled down. Right. And yeah. you're absolutely right about it. I'm just saying the mentality should try to still be the same. Like, when when your goal is oh hey these guys got to go thump, but in a one one game, and yes I know like you said there was I think what twelve combined power plays in that game which is twenty almost half the game, like you can't you can, you can't play those guys but when you still don't trust them to play more than four minutes at five on five each because they're playing they're only there for that specific role like that's right. just the message that I get from watching the, how they're used. Whereas last year, you could argue that that team last year didn't even have like a true checking line because all four lines had smack yeah. you in the face. Right. It's it's a, just a completely different team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a checking line is just an antiquated concept, in my opinion. Like, sure, like maybe it has some use if you can like throw out like that Tampa third line and they can hold their own against, uh, you know, I mean, the Tampa third line when they had Coleman, Goudreau and uh, Gord. Yeah. And they well, yeah, can and hold when you their compare own. it to the rest of the forward lines, right, TJ? Like mm-hmm. when when it's clearly like these are your thumpers, as I put up the air quotes. Like a checking line back in the day was like the line that would just go out there and be like the, the Paul Oz line or well, he's right. a defenseman, but the Peter Worrell line, the line that would go out there and just beat the crap out of you. It's just it's a totally different. Right, like, but... TJ called it like it's just a, it's just the term that you use now. Yeah, I mean, right. look at the best teams in the league. Though, like, do the Leafs have a checking line? You know, they just put Wayne Simmons on waivers. Do the the Bruins have a checking line? Yeah, the top line is their checking line. <laughs> yeah, good point. I have. No, I mean, I'm just if you wanted to say like, what's a checking line? The line that you're, you know, they're going to go out there, elbows up, you know, putting on the foil. I mean, Boston's first line. It just so happens that their biggest ass kickers are also their top scorers. Right. But you're you're getting to the 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 crux of the issue, David. Is that in 2022, 2023, your checking line needs to be able to do more than check. And the Panthers' checking line can't. And that's a problem. And it's it was a problem. It was a problem against Minnesota because you couldn't use them. And that problem leaked over into last night against St. Louis because your best guys had nothing left in the tank because you had a 25% of your offensive lot of your forward lines could not be played in, in clutch situations. 
And, you know, St. Louis looked to exploit that, you know, skating at Mark Stahl whenever they got a chance, you know, trying to get out and break out of the zone as quickly as possible, you know, risk be damned that the they may turn it over at their own blue line. The Panthers come the other way, and it obviously reaped a lot of benefits. They got a lot of good chances. It's not just the goals. You know, there were other good chances that whether they missed the net, they didn't, you know, pick out a good spot in the net, and Spencer was able to make an easy save. They had a lot of the good rush looks. And I, if you look at the, the XG or the Corsi, it would really indicate that that game was even. We all watched that game. Was that game even? The Blues game? Yes. It did not feel even. No, it, it felt very not. slanted towards the home team. But, yeah, I mean, I guess both teams had their chances, right? I mean, the Panthers were right there, and uh, well, it was a one-goal game before they blew the blues blew it open late but yeah i don't know it's hard because the goals yeah goals change I, games i you think know, that what is TJ was getting as the pace of play felt even it was just every single time the blues had a quality scoring chance it went in the net and, no i wasn't well, i was, was saying the opposite i was oh, saying i it thought didn't it, feel it felt even. like the panthers were bogged down a lot more than they yeah. weren't in that game yeah, like I, I can, as the game went on, I'm talking about early in the game. Well, even I like felt it, that way early started, too. When they made that comeback late in the you know in the third period, when they when they were trying to make it close, and then what they had they had like their best zone pressure the entire game, and ten seconds later, it's in the back of their net. Like, what can you do in that situation, man? That just sucks. Yeah, just... I do have a fun little zone start. Uh, it's a great transition trivia thing. Just little little tangent here, uh, because zone starts were a were a topic. Are we going back to Giovanni Smith? No, this actually has nothing to do with Giovanni Smith. Okay. Other other than me wanting to look at something in the content uh, to contextualize Giovanni Smith's zone starts uh, of forwards with at least one hundred and fifty minutes at five on five this year. I want everyone to try to guess who has the highest offensive zone start percentage. Or leader on the team in in the league. Markov. Oh, in the league. Yeah, I'm gonna say Markov. The highest percentage of zones offensive zone starts in the league. Yep. Kirill Kaprizov. You just said Kaprizov, David. What did you say? Uh, I'm thinking way too hard into this. Uh, Panarin. A good All guess, very interesting guesses. Alex is probably the most wrong. <laughs> um, the correct answer with 210 offensive zone starts, Alex Ovechkin. That was going to be my... Yeah. I, I thought there was a... 89.74% offensive zone starts. Well, well, yeah. And 76.9, uh, just shy of 77% offensive zone face-off starts. Yeah, Alexander Ovechkin yeah. is is, is an elite that's... shot and nothing else at this point in his career. I think I it's mean, funny after he said that we all sat here just nodding in really in like agreement with yeah. like the audio over just nobody's all they heard was silence. Is we're just like yeah, Ovechkin, right? So I didn't mean to interrupt you. TJ Kaprizov is fifth. So you were you were the closest. Nice. It's so funny. I was I was literally about to say like you know what I'm changing my guess to Ovechkin, but I I was like this got to. The, because he brought up, I thought it had a Panthers connection. 
but yeah, like Alexander Ovechkin is a shot, and that's it. We've all seen the 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 Ovi come out on the power play, yeah. literally not moving whatsoever, not even changing his position in his office like he used to. Feet planted, same spot, puck got to him, goal. That's what he does in 2023. He is still the best in the world at shooting the puck, and therefore can you know make a make a living, score 40 goals doing nothing but that. Respect. Yeah. Barkov and Panarin both start most of their shifts in the defensive zone, for the record. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. Panarin used to be oh. a big offensive God, man, zone they, starts guy. Panarin's they, offensive they, zone starts really at 48.81. Barkov's at 47.66. Thinking back to the summer, four, was it four years ago now? But Oh, no. Just think, like, what Panarin has become in New York, I did not see that coming. Like, we knew he was a good player. But holy shit, he's really. I think I think Jacob. Yeah, I I I I think that last year was honestly like disappointing compared to what he did in. Oh yeah. But yeah, he's really having a phenomenal year this year, like David said. That'll forever be one of the biggest Panthers what ifs in history. Well, at this point, Bob is playing great. So I I know he had his his hiccups. (laughs) A week of Bob being great. Three great games. Yeah, that's true. In five games, you're t- you're definitely right. One I, mean, of them I was the one. I was the one driving this bus. Like I would, I I want to say I was like, oh, Bob's going to be a poison pill. We need to go after Panarin. But I said we just got to get Panarin. If that means we sign Bob too, I'm cool with it. I think that you guys were mostly on board. You with were what I was saying. so hot on Robin Leonard that that summer. You wanted Leonard so badly, and he was down here too. Now, yeah. Maybe it wasn't so much that you wanted Leonard that badly. Maybe your your take was more so I would rather sign Leonard to four years than Bob to seven. Yeah, and he got one year that offseason. So yeah, it was just a, such a egregious own goal yeah. of his signing. That it, you I know, wonder how it, that would have worked out for Leonard too. Just thinking if he would have come down here instead of going to Vegas or you know going on the path that he went on. I think that David, year still would David, have been rough. As as the goalie expert, uh, would Robin Leonard have won the Vezina as a Panther? Obviously. Obviously okay. he would have. There we go. I mean, maybe multiple Vezinas at this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Robin Leonard is a hell of a goalie. and He's, he's a just, good goalie. He's a big, chill guy. And I think being down here with, like, two of us in the media talking to him and, nobody, you know, we're all very chill down here, like, it might have been a really good situation for everybody involved. Um. If he would have stayed healthy, like I mean, yeah. realistically, could have been could have been really interesting. And he yeah. would have had like, you know, one of those like alligator enclosures in the Everglades. Also, I would imagine instead of like whatever that. he's doing with snakes. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember or watched it, like from the Dolphins from back in the day. But Manny Fernandez was like he he. This is like back in the seventies too. Like he would just go out into the Everglades and like wrestle with gators, and he was nuts. And I. I kind of see like Robin Leonard being like a modern day version of Manny Fernandez, just embrace immersing himself, embracing the, you know, the surroundings of South Florida. Like when he was down here that summer, he was like in a snake shop. This guy was like pet snakes and stuff. It's like, I think it would have been a really cool uh, experience for him down here as, as we go down. What if road. All right. Uh, as much as I'm loving the trip down memory lane, I got to bring us back. Cause I want to, we, we're running out of time with you, David. I want to talk about the deadline coming up. What are you hearing the Panthers' plans are? Are they looking to buy? Are they looking to stand pat? Or are they looking to do a little bit of both? Uh, 
in terms of buyer or seller, I don't really have an answer for you in that regard yet. I think it's, see, I'm kind of been working on something with this. That's why I don't want to say too much because I haven't, I have my opinions. I'm trying to confirm. I think I will say Patrick Hornquist did play a role in how the trade deadline is approached and how the rest of the season plays out. Again, I'm more, I, I will hopefully have more specific answers for you guys as we get closer. I have heard a few names on the Panthers forward line that have popped up that raised my eyebrows that I'm, again, we'll see what happens, but I think the cap is going to play a role in what happens more than, more than we've been talking about over the last few weeks. So speaking uh, of injured forwards, Anthony Duclair is now skating in a normal practice jersey. He has removed the non-contact jersey. So when do we expect to see him back in the Panthers lineup? I wouldn't be shocked if it happened in the next few days. I think when Paul Maurice said he didn't think it would happen until the homestand, I think that was his way of giving Duclair some runway because we've, as Maurice has told us multiple times, it's up to Anthony Duclair when he feels comfortable with getting out there. Injury-wise, like heel-wise, they're good. There's no issues on the health side. It's comfort now. So I think when Maurice said... He wants to have a few practices. I'm going to give him, you know, maybe till we get to the homestand. I think that was his way of giving him some leeway. So, because the Duke could walk in there tomorrow and say, coach, I'm good. Um, but I would think, what are they at? Uh, two more, two or three more games on this road trip, guys. Just two more, right? Just yeah, Washington and Nashville. And, uh, and Nashville, yeah. Nashville. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if not on the road trip, then, uh, you know, within a game or so afterwards. But it's, it's, it's it, like we're on that cusp now. It's happening very soon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds uh, like Nashville or Anaheim are uh, a reasonable targets. It would yeah, be and, nice and again, to go ahead. No, I didn't say just it could be what Maurice said that they're holding him until the homestand or whatever. I just the way that he said so much that it's up to Anthony Duclair. I think he just didn't want to put any extra pressure on him to come back before a certain day. But yeah, like. I don't expect it to happen tomorrow or whenever their next game is in DC. But if, yes, if it happened, I wouldn't be shocked. I'm not expecting it, but I wouldn't. My jaw wouldn't hit the floor either. Mm-hmm. Um, just for the people doing the the cat math out there, the Panthers need to clear roughly 1.7 million in space to fit Anthony Duclair's contract back under the cap. So any of your minimum salary guys, a Chris Tierney, a Giovanni Smith, a um, yeah, they have 14 uh, forwards up. So you just, you just wave two of them and yeah, Gr- you you can activate him. Yeah, Grigory Grigory Denisenko and Chris Tierney get you the money you need. Yeah. Or if you want to or if you want to wave Colin White who has clearly yeah, found that's, his way out of the lineup. That's what I was going to say. Colin White's a million two against the cap and he's not a, even an everyday player. Yeah, I think you can bear that. My, my feelings are on the matter are pretty evident, so I won't repeat myself. I have Go another gonna... question about trades. Go. So <laughs> the, the most prominent rental that the Panthers could offer if they became a seller is Radko Gudis. Do you think that that's something they would even consider? Do you think it maybe comes down to what the price would be, like w- what they would be getting in return? Or do you think they're just going to keep him no matter what? I, I don't think with Bill Zito that anything is necessarily off the table. If a good enough offer comes along, then, I mean, look, we saw what happened last year. Nobody saw that coming, even them. Um, if that did happen, if Gudis ended up becoming a rental, it would not surprise me if he 
turned right back around and came back and signed back here again, just because there's so much love on both sides of the table. He's such that. a great locker room guy. He's not going to be expensive. Um, so maybe, you know, that we've seen that play out before. Um, but yeah, I think it would have to be like a really pretty awesome offer just because he's so integral on the ice and off the ice. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's going to be, it would be tricky for the Panthers to entertain offers on Gudis if they think that there's even an outside shot at sneaking into the second wild card spot, which is occupied by Washington at the moment. The Panthers are only two points back. Washington does have a game in hand, but that's also why this Washington game coming up tomorrow is so pivotal. Uh, yeah. The Panthers could find themselves back in a playoff spot by the end of the week. Yeah, and, and, and if, we do... yeah, I, I just I don't know how you justify selling on Gudis if you're in a playoff spot. I agree, and we don't anticipate Ovi being in the lineup tomorrow. Correct. Correct. For, as far as I understand, yeah, yeah, I I think he's in Russia, so I doubt that he's going to be good to go in the tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. From I mean, what was it yesterday that he came out with? Um, or was it today? When the, today he, he, went, he went on leave about his yeah, father. Yeah, he went on leave yesterday, and then today he he announced the passing of his father. Yeah, I would think, it, regardless that they're playing the Panthers, I, I would just you would assume that he's going to be out for a few days. Yeah, yeah, a few I, games. I mean, I just wasn't sure if his father was in Russia or just somewhere else in the U.S. That that was like my my guess that he's in Russia. Maybe he's in the U.S., but if he was ill, I I would doubt it. Um, the last quick thing that I wanted to get off, I because I noticed uh, a month ago, Monday, I think it was, George Richards tweeted that Casey Fitzgerald was skating with Brandon Montour and that we might see him in his first action. Of course, a month and a couple of days later, we still haven't seen Casey Fitzgerald in a Panthers game. What's the temperature check on that? It's exactly the same as it's been. And what Paul, I mean, what Paul Maurice said from day, I, I think I asked him this uh, maybe a few days after they came, they uh, Casey was uh, claimed, and he uh, I asked him, you know, when are we going to see him? What what would it take? I don't remember how I asked him, but he just basically said he's a right-handed shot. One of our right-handed guys got to go out for him to go in. And who's our who's the Panthers' right-handed D? Ekblad, Gudis, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and, and uh, Montour. Brandon Montour. Montour. N- none of those three guys are going to get scratched, let alone for Casey Fitzgerald. No offense to Casey Fitzgerald, but those are three of your top four. Three of your top four, yeah, with Gus Forsling. So if Maurice has his mindset that Casey Fitzgerald is only a right side D, that's the only way I'm getting him out there, unless he decides for, you know, one of these games when they have cap issues, they dress 7D or whatever, maybe that's an option to get him in the lineup. But at this point, you know, you don't want any – if Ekblad, Montour, or Gudis get hurt, you got bigger problems than a Casey Fitzgerald. Mm-hmm. That's and true. That's sort of why I'm not exactly gung ho on the idea of Gudis sticking around. You know, if it, if it were up to me, I would probably try to move him. But like, like you said, like Brandon Montour's not going anywhere. He's pivotal. Aaron Eckblad's not going anywhere. He's pivotal. And you could make an argument that Gudis has a role on this team and has a lot of importance. And I would certainly listen. But you know, that's a spot that you can't fill with potentially the next Josh Mahura who is so pivotal for you in, you know, this stretch where you're going to be so cap strapped and you're going to be going for the championship and you're going to be paying Bob 10 million. You'll be paying Spencer four and a half million. You're paying Barkov 10 million. You're paying Kachuk nine and a half. You're paying Ekblad seven and change. You need to have impact guys 
that you find off the scrap heap and they just won't have the opportunity if they have Gudis, who's only going to be getting older and, you know, could fall off the aging cliff at any point. I, I, it's interesting I, to, to look at that way. Yeah. And, and I do just want to mention, uh, I don't know if Casey Fitzgerald is a reason that you look to trade Radko Gudis. I don't know if I that's agree. exactly what you were trying to imply, TJ. Um, Casey Fitzgerald is a stand-in for, like, who's the guy that we can find that will be the next revelation? Like, Josh Mahura being the perfect example of what I'm talking about. Yeah, sure. Like, they they have a guy that, like, is a $3 million defenseman they have locked up next year for less than a million. That's great. Yeah. They need to do that again because clearly they, like, need more value on the back end. By Money Puck's expected goals uh, formula, Mahura Gudis is a top 10 pairing in the NHL. I'm not trying to say that Gudis is a bad player. In fact, I think that you look at trading him because you will get a significant return. He's a right shot defenseman that can play in the top four. We've seen what those guys get at the trade deadline. David Savard got a first round pick. David Savard's not better than Radko Gudis. He might be bigger, but he's not better. David Savard has a better aura. That's not yeah. the right word, but he like a better, a better reputation. Not reputation, but like he's uh, he's like one a better he's hockey well of attached the, to him. Than Radko. Yeah, like he's young. If you can get a first round pick for Radko Gudis, I think Radko would tell you do it. Like, right? Come on, that that would. I be... mean, we're talking about a first round pick for Vladislav Gavrikov. Am I am I crazy for thinking Gudis can get a first round pick? Yeah, but again, it's the same thing. Gavrikov's got. All of those intangibles that the hockey men want. He's big. How does he not have not those? Applying at Radko's age. Again, it's just hockey men, TJ. Radko Gudis, he's good, but he but is what's, six but foot what's up. this? What's this quality? Yeah, that the Gudis's reputation want? is exactly that of what the hockey men want, quote unquote. I mean, he's he's yeah, yeah he he, not he, six he's lifted four. six foot, sure. Plays like he's. I'm not talking four. about his reputation in terms of his view generally. We're talking about compared to David Savard. That's where that came. Yeah. From. No, I, I think you could absolutely swindle someone for more than Gudis is worth. But again, yeah, it goes back the to the issue of right. It goes back to the issue of are you willing to forego Gudis's impact in a playoff run? for that and tj you might say yes you might see the panthers in a wild card spot get in and anything can happen i like i i'm still always of that mindset no not this year sorry not happening guys we've got we gotta get claire comes back we gotta get david out of here but i do a really quick percentage wise percentage that zito makes a big move a la jacob chikrin type thing my percentage opinion that that happens yes like a big move um 25 percent. okay well, that's a lot a of big, than really yeah i thought it was how, like like five. how no, did, I, because i i don't know how desperate other teams are going to be the panthers have some depending on what route they want to go they've got some pretty nice looking assets that they could potentially if they wanted to flip so what they could get back there's a big picture to look at here that goes beyond this season. They're going right. to have a lot more money to spend in the off season. 
Yes. They're looking at this and, you know, I'm just, I'm not saying disregard this year. I'm just saying you, when you look at how they're going to approach this trade deadline, you can't just think of it how they're approaching this season. So that's why I think there's always, and from Bill Zito's, what he's done from September, 2020 till now, I don't expect a big move, but just, I guess, like I said, with declare my jaw won't hit the floor either. All right, David, we got to get you out of here. We've taken up way too much of your time. I know my boss must be texting you. Plug, plug what you got going on, what you got going over at Channel 10, what's going on at Chirping the Cats. Tell us about all of it. No, just same old, same old uh, at Twitter, at David's work for all the general Panthers coverage and other stupidity that I uh, put out there. Uh, anything written goes on local10.com. Um, hoping to chat with a couple guys when they get back from the road trip, but I can't say for sure, so I don't want to put that out there just yet. But, you know, always something interesting cooking for that. And then the podcast, uh, you know, it's always out there hoping to do one. I was thinking about doing one this week, but then I told you guys I was going to do your podcast and two podcasts in the brain at the same time just <laughs> would not work for me. So maybe now that I can put this in my rear view, I'll think about doing my own. But uh, we yeah, are honored that podcast is out there. That you consider this like a, I don't know. Your your podcast like honorary appearance for the week. Yeah. Well, an honorary well, episode sure. of Chirping the Cats. Well, maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe <laughs> the next one I'll have you guys over there and we'll do this on my turf. Yeah, whatever, whenever you want. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll just set up the mics at the bar and do that next time. I Honestly, that, that, that could actually be I fun. love that idea. <laughs> the um, that idea sounds George. worse and worse the more I think I play it through in my head, actually. False. False. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks, David. We're going to get you out of here. We really appreciate it. Um, we'll be back in a second with uh, a little bit more from, the, from Jacob, TJ, and I. And uh, David, thank you for your time. Anytime, fellas. Always a pleasure. Well, thank you, David Dwork, for joining us on the podcast today. But because we want to avoid all responsibilities of, you know, work, significant others, or whatever else, we're going to keep podcasting tonight, guys. So... David said something. Speak for yourself. You're keeping me from Fire Emblem. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. You're keeping me from sleep. Fair enough. Well, David mentioned something interesting. That last question we asked him or I asked him, what were the chances that Panthers would do something big? He said 25%. I was expecting him to say 1% to 5%. I don't know about you. Holding up a zero with my hand. Yeah. Like, I thought it was going to say he was going to say nothing. So now that he's gone, let's let's recklessly speculate. Um, yeah. So the, I mean, the Panthers don't have like anything off roster assets to make a splash move. I mean, they have like Mackie Samuskevich. Is that going to get you, Jacob? Yeah, Chikrin? but I don't think it gets you. It's, it's Mackie Samuskevich and like end of list. Yeah. yeah, and I'm sure someone would be interested in uh, in Michael Benning. I mean, interested, but not like, you know, no, you're not. Mike Benning's not going to be the centerpiece of a, of a splash trade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, have to be, you know, roster players and Mackie Semiskamish or Benning. Like, it's going to be the uh, Cole Schwint addition to the. the Why would you game. use that? Example in particular, you traded so like many prospects. Why did you have to go with that one? Because I wanted to hurt you. 
You know that means And you did. The prospect that's gonna get traded now is either gonna be Matt Kierstead or John Ludwig. Friends of yeah. the show, we'll we'll just like it, look tear our hearts. If out. either of them get traded this season, we have to stop having prospects on. At least stop having the ones we like on. But the overall point remains they do not have first round picks. They do not have prospects. If they are going to make a splash move, it's going to be a roster player that hurts. It's going to be someone that is, you know, counted on. You're not you're not getting Jacob Chikrin for, you know, Ryan Lomberg, Eric Stahl, and Mackie Semiskevich. It's going to <laughs> hurt to get done. Yeah. And I mean, given that I really don't think Arizona wants roster players, I think that this pretty much takes you out of the Chikrin sweepstakes, even though I heard today that Chikrin may even prefer to go to the Panthers if he had his choice. It's just, if, it's just, I mean, if that's the case, then you, you, you try and figure something out. Yeah. But the but, issue is but, Jacob like they, they're the behind power. the eight ball. They're behind the eight ball. They, they can't really do that. I know he, Jacob Chikrin has a contract. He doesn't have a no trade clause. There is nothing he can do to force a trade to the Panthers. That's and true. I don't even think that that's the the situation that he wants. DJ, to to trade. I have a thought that I think you might enjoy. All for all of my posturing about how do you trade Gudis if you're in a playoff hunt? Easy, trade him for the assets you want to use to. The trade for Jacob Chikrin instead. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think we've mentioned that before. Is if you yeah, can trade yeah. one of these guys for picks and use those picks to get Jacob Chikrin, you have to look into it. So like if just, you can move Gudas for like a first and maybe like a B prospect, which is still less than the Canadians got for Ben Sherat. Just saying. Um, and then use that first and that prospect and maybe like a higher level prospect or like a second round pick or something and package all that for Chikrin. Yeah. Congrats. I still don't think that you're getting, I don't, I don't think you, I don't think you get in there for that. The price has long been two first round picks in an A A tier prospect. Yeah. It's, that's not going to be the price if no one pays it though. Well, Um, I mean, it seems to be because he hasn't been traded. Yeah, but at the same, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of smoke about the Kings. There's smoke about the Blue Jackets. Oh, there's a lot of smoke about the Kings. The Kings, the Kings tweeted that they made that trade, and then yeah, I missed that, and then it got pulled back. That might be fake. I deleted it, and then it was never. Can you can you like prove that that tweet definitely came from at LA Kings and not you know like it had the it had the gold check. Yeah, but someone could Photoshop that. That's true. It could have been Photoshopped. Yeah, um, yeah like that That wouldn't surprise me at all if that was faked. But, you know, there's there's real smoke there with him being held out for trade-related reasons. Columbus doing the same with Gavrikov. Panthers are not in the Gavrikov sweepstakes. I really doubt they're interested in rentals. But That would be, that would be insane. They, everything they've done this season has said, hey, we know 2022-2023 is going to be a down year. Um, then Go ahead. trade assets for rentals would be mind-numbingly dumb, unless it's like you're trading a fifth-round pick for a guy that replaces Mark Stahl in the lineup, then go for it. But yeah. 
if you're giving up major assets, if you're doing what you did last year on a year you've already considered a down year with what you did in the offseason, like what the hell are you doing? And that's why I, I kind of was leaning towards, oh, they should sell. They really only have one thing worth selling, and that's Radko Gudis. And, you know, it really does depend on the price. Like if you can't get at least a second round pick, you have to just walk away because yeah. you can't look like a mark. You can't look like you're willing to give away a top four right-handed D-man for pennies on the dollar because you, then you'll never be able to make a, a good trade again in your career. I, I, I disagree with even that. Like you cannot trade, you cannot consider trading Radko Gudis unless it's a first round pick coming back. Because even if you sneak in as the second wild card, you avoid the bad press of from president's trophy to out of the playoffs. And when well, I don't the, care about Brad press though. Right. You right. But the organization has to, this isn't a vacuum. Like you are the yeah. Panthers. You have the last, you were the laughing stock of the NHL for 20 years. It has been so hard to build anything in this market. If you can make the playoffs and back to back years, or I guess it would be three years in a row. You have to do it. You cannot just be okay. Hey, you know, this isn't the year we're going to win the cup. So we got to sell like, They've got to get to the eighth seed. Now they can't mortgage the future for the eighth seed for the second wild card, excuse me. But you cannot sell and give up on the second wild card. It's just too important. I don't know. I mean, I I, I just feel like you got to pick a direction and you already picked a direction. So just gotta keep going that way. I mean, look, if they're if they go on a losing streak and I mean the deadline's what next week or two weeks? I think it's in three weeks. Okay. If three weeks from now, the Panthers are now eight points out. Yeah. You sell Radko Gudas, but it's you know, March 3rd. Deadline day is March 3rd. Okay. So two and a half weeks. Yeah. If two and a half weeks from now, you're eight points out and you, and there's still no, everyone else has games and hands on you. Yeah. You sell Radko Gudas. But if you're a point out or two points out or three points out, or even four points out, you have to stay the course. Yeah. I mean, it's it's going to be way more damaging for them if they can't be like a round two plus team next year. Like the the market is going to be, I think, as as angry with the team if they go round one and out. Like the best case scenario is that they make the playoffs and lose in round one this year. I disagree. I did the the casual. Sure, fan. you can you can feel that way, but I just I just cannot envision that. I like it. it I will not allow myself to do that based on the way this season has gone. And then like, you need to put yourself in a position where next season in this gauntlet of a division, might I mention you are going to be able to advance in the playoffs because making the playoffs and going out in round one is not really going to knock anybody's socks off. Yeah, hey, we're, we're talking, talk about the casual fan, TJ. TJ I'm talking about the casual fan. TJ, I have, I have a question for you. What's going on? What is the Panthers' record against the Bruins so far this season? Two and two. Two and one. Mm. Two it's and two. two and one. No, it's two and two. They lost two games in Boston, won two games in Florida. Hmm. So you're saying that it would go to seven? Yes, that's definitely the same as saying it would go to seven. The Panthers have matched up pretty well against Boston so far this year. 
the Coyotes matched up well with the Avalanche last regular season. They won three out of four games. That's different. The Coyotes Why? didn't actually get to play a playoff series against against Colorado last year. Do you think they would have been competitive in a playoff series against Colorado last year? Based on their regular season results, why not? Okay, matchups matter. Matchups matter. So sure, matchups mind, definitely matter. Two and two, uh, but that first game was the game where we had four defensemen and still only. Well, they didn't have Brad Marchand. They don't That's have true. Charlie McAvoy. That's true. Okay, so that one's a wash. Point being, if the Panthers get in as wild card two, and their round matchup is first seed in the Eastern Conference, Boston Bruins, against whom they've played pretty well so far, having not played them with a fully healthy lineup a single time, because Anthony Duclair is still not back. Who's to say they can't make it past Boston and get out of the first round? I'm not even counting on them making the playoffs, so... But that's not what I'm asking. Okay. Yeah. Considering, considering the Panthers matchups against Boston so far this year, if that is our round one playoff series, who's to say the Panthers can't win it? Yeah, I'm I'm just not going to say, hey, we're we're gonna forego what would be one of our only like very good tradable assets because maybe we sneak into the playoffs and maybe, maybe, maybe we get into the second round. Like this team is desperate for assets. Desperate. I just don't know how you can forego getting rid of something that will expire at the end of this season, Gudis' current contract, and you know, say that that's not that's worth keeping beyond the assets that you could get. Well, you see, it's quite simple. If you're in a playoff hunt, especially if you're that close. You don't sell off half of the eighth best pairing in the league. I mean, look at look at what St. Louis did when Paul Stasny was a pending free agent and they were in a playoff race. They traded him and they won the cup a few years later. Look it's at what a, the Lightning uh, did at the deadline before they had the best regular season in the history of the league. They sold at the deadline, even though they were in a playoff race. That's those are different markets with established fan bases, and also the sell the sales. Like, didn't they get a first for Stastny? Like, no, no one really expects a first for Radko Gudis. Well, I look, kind of, I, I no, I kind of do. I think I mean, that I think I, that I, I think, I think you could swing that. I don't know if it's going to happen. Like, I think it's plausible, but I think like you're kidding yourself. If you don't think a top four right-handed D is going to get you a second round pick plus. See, I don't think that, I don't think that moves the needle at all. Second round picks aren't valuable. Late first round picks really aren't that value valuable. It just sounds good to say you got a bunch of first round picks in a trade. Also, not for nothing, but outside of the lottery, uh, the Panthers have not had the greatest track record of drafting in the first round. Well, th- this is Bill Zito, though. This isn't that's Dale Talon. That's that's true. That's true enough. Either way, I want to go back to talking about trades. And I Real quick, about- can I say one more thing? Just on the subject, I think we go back to the Bobrovsky signing, and the cardinal sin that was made is mortgaging the future to make the playoffs. And I, you know, every time I think about that, I think about this is like such an 
good evidence as to how that is such a bad idea. You should never do that. I don't know if this is another example of that, but I just, that's my modus operandi. Like if you are doing something that sacrifices your future in order to just make the playoffs, I cannot, I cannot just go with it. I can't. Keeping Radko Gudis instead of getting a second round pick in a B prospect is not mortgaging the future. It's just not TJ. Yeah, I I get what you're saying, but that's just my philosophy. I I just would I am never the kind of person that says forego the assets because maybe we'll make the playoffs. You're you're not wrong. Sitting in the middle is death. But this is it's you you can't just look in a vacuum. There's more to it than that. But there was more to it when we signed Bobrovsky. No, it wasn't. And look how no, there was. was. There was. That was the whole point that. This market is starved for the playoffs. If we get Bobrovsky, goaltending's our biggest problem, and we'll have just solved it. You know, maybe it will hurt the seventy million dollars, but we got to get into the playoffs. Look how that worked out. Yes, because it was a bad signing. It wasn't just about mortgaging the future just to get in the playoffs. Like it was a bad signing, regardless of what they were trying to do. Radko Gudis is a good hockey player that is helping this team now, and to trade him for a second round pick does not. Makes sense, TJ. That's the point I'm trying to make. You're like, the, the Bobrovsky signing was dropping an atom bomb on the future of the franchise. Holding on to Radko Gudis is like, hey, we threw a rock. Like, you're balancing them <laughs> and it makes no sense. I, I mean, your argument does make sense to me, but I I just want to drive the point home that, that that's just how I view things. Right, it's how you do things, but I'm telling you, you got to use more nuance. Like it's, it's not just black and white. There's, there's gray areas and middle ground, and I got you got to see it. But mm-hmm. TJ, I'm we I'm moving us on from this discussion because we've got a segment we want to get to. We've Good is for about. Connor McDavid. Who says no? And speaking of that, we have offers like that from you listeners on Twitter. We're gonna go through them. Right now, TJ, let's pick some of our favorites and let's talk about them or let's trash them. All right. And All right. just do we for, do... for, for context of how this is going to work, I have not seen any of these trade proposals. So I am reacting genuinely and live on all of these. I've only seen about three or four of them. And the ones I did see, I didn't pay that much attention to them. So you're getting a semi-live reaction from me. All right. Where do we want to start? Like most plausible or least plausible? let's do one yeah random or one one kind of randomize it yeah yeah kind of all right it it could be fun to get like each of our takes on how plausible some of these trades are here's the first one it's from friend of the show brian at metal panthers the proposal is the canucks trade brock besser at 50 percent retained to the panthers for nick cousins gregory denisenko matt kirsted and a third round pick that feels like a lot for Besser, the way he's been playing. I get the retention and all, but you see, uh, that I was don't... that was the opposite of my reaction. I was saying like that's a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, I, I don't think you're giving up. Yeah, there's, that's fair. there's no there's no there's no first round pick in there. Like Brock Besser's going to get a first round. Wow, pick. TJ, no, he's not. No, he's not. I can't Absolutely believe you would mortgage the future like that, TJ. Trading a third round pick and Brock Besser has term. Oh. He has term. No, he doesn't. He's a UFA. No, he is not. He has one more year. I will check. Brock, first of all, like I'm almost certain about this because Besser has two more years. You're both, you're both wrong. 
Fair enough. People have, people have been talking about that the, the Canucks are desperate to free up cap space by moving either Besser or Garland, and that teams basically haven't been biting because they want significant retention. So I I I I basically responded that it's intriguing in prospect, but the the retention without a significant return going the other way is not really plausible. I, I, I agree with you there. If you're going to get 3.2 million re- retained on a player, you're going to be sending a first round pick. Maybe Bach Besser on his own isn't worth a first round pick. I haven't been paying attention to him too much. He's been garbage. Then, but still like he's got, he scored a lot of goals in hockey and hockey and like goals. Um, 131 goals in 370 games in his career so far. Yeah, I'm, His I'm best gonna... season remains his rookie year. I'm just telling you, I've heard that there's no chance that they're getting real assets for him unless they retain significant salary. Yeah, I've heard the, they've they're considering buying out Connor Garland, kind of in a similar vein. Oh, one of the worst. Remember last season when Connor Garland was like the hot ticket at the deadline? He was like the guy that that everyone was like, well, he might be worth taking a flyer on. He wasn't does, like, does he actually suck now, star. or what's the deal? I just thought I that like I, I've I've paid so little attention to the Canucks this year. Yeah, Rather, he's I not... take that back. I paid I've paid so little attention to the Canucks since their ridiculous losing streak to start the season ended. I paid a lot of attention to them when they were losing like the first ten games of the year because that was hilarious. But once they won a game, I kind of tuned out. Yeah, he's on like a forty-ish point pace. At a five million dollar cap hit, that ain't great. Buy and low, though, that's interesting. But Connor Garland was not mentioned, so we'll move on. Yeah, I, if, I would um, love to buy low on Besser, though. If if that's something we could actually swing, I would be very interested in that. Okay, I mean, here's I'd, another one. Oh, sorry, one last comment. I was gonna say I'd be I'd be entertained at three point two five million for him, but you're just not getting him for that. Like you're not getting him for peanuts and, and getting the fifty percent. All right. Uh, here's another one. This is from Gabelli Bean at Gabelli Bean. Uh, Anthony Duclair to the Oilers for Puya Yarvi. I forgot what his first name was. No, his first no. name is Jesse. No, Duclair is no. worth a lot more than Puya Yarvi right now. Puya Yarvi is a reclamation project. Duclair yep. is not. I agree. So my thinking was this is an interesting framework. If the Oilers add a, a pretty nice sweetener. Yeah, either either the Oilers add a draft pick or the Panthers swap out their asset. But Duclair is worth a lot more than Jesse Pugliarvi. Yeah, Jesse Pugliarvi should be available for like a second round pick. Yeah, Record, well, the Panthers will need to Also a player salary. that I would be interested in, uh, in taking a flyer on. They will have but, to move out salary to yeah, get him in. And he, you know, he he's got team control beyond this year. Like he's going to be an RFA, so the Panthers would be able to, you know, keep him around for a few years, and they they'd get that draft asset or you know prospect asset or maybe a player. I don't know what Edmonton would send along, but I do think it's kind of an intriguing idea that, you know, it it's kind of a two for one. The Oilers would be paying to get rid of Puyarvi, and they'd be paying to acquire Duclair. You know what? Actually, I take it back. I wouldn't trade Duclair right now. Period. I think that that's a totally valid way to feel. I 
I would have to see what the asset was, but I generally don't think that Duke, trading Duclair is a good idea either. You, yeah. You're just it's not going to get value at this point. I would, again, like I'd be really interested in Pooley Yarvey uh, on a flyer, uh, but no, not for Anthony Duclair, period. No, I, yes, there's probably some addition that the Oilers could add to that to change my mind, but at a surface level, I'm not giving up Duclair for Pooley Yarvey. You know, someone actually, someone else actually, uh, proposed Duclair for Puya Yarby and a first or a second. And I don't at the point that you're getting a first, I said I had to consider it. Yeah. For for Puyarby and a first, now we're kind of getting somewhere. Um but is Puyarby gonna gonna replace Duclair's 30 goals from last year? Yeah, I don't know, but if he can, you're you're laughing your way to the draft table with that first draft pick. Yeah, the the bet is that he's the next Nachushkin, the guy that showed like incredible defensive metrics, but just couldn't put the puck in the net. That all of a sudden put it all together and became that two way absolute monster that Valerie Nachushkin is now. Like I think that even the hockey men have to admit that guy is a monster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, Evolving next. Wild had it first. <laughs> Uh, this is a pretty simple one. Uh, fourth round pick for Travis Dermott. That's from Charles at Kaner Rocket 17. I mean, yeah. I don't know what Dermott's value looks like right now. I, well, again, he's getting healthy been... scratched, so I have a feeling Ooh. that he's available. That's yeah, interesting. He, Dermott's on Toronto, really, right? No, he's on Vancouver. He's on Vancouver, yeah. Oh. They traded him. Um, Toronto they... traded him. He was really good in Toronto, though. Yeah, uh... at the very least, like really intriguing. I mean, I'm going to change it to just any sort of fourth to late round pick. They all have pretty much the same value to me. Anyone is better than Mark Stahl. Travis Dermott is a left-handed shot, right? Yeah, and I I also think that you would have team control beyond this year. Yeah, full send, sure. And any any late round pick for a a warm body that shoots left. There was not Mark Stahl, please. Before Toronto traded Dermott to Vancouver... There were some rumors linking Dermot to Florida. I'm trying to remember what we were giving Mackenzie Weger. Was, was it McKenzie straight up Weger for Dermot? Weger for Dermot and uh like a third Andreas round pick Janssen. Or yeah, That's what it something. was. Dermot and Janssen. Yeah. Man, what happened to Andreas Janssen? I know he went to New Jersey, but who knows? Has he been hurt for like three years straight? What's no up I feel like I, I feel like I haven't heard his name. He has he's played two games this year. We've got we've got more trades to go to. TJ, fire another one. Uh, so this one is from Louis Estopinian, just Lou forty five, uh, a second round pick and Alexi Heponiemi to the Islanders for Scott Mayfield. So no. Mayfield is kind of an interesting case because he's not a great player, but like he's solid. You know, he's he's definitely a useful player. The value is that his contract is extremely affordable. He yeah, and Hepo's running out of chances. I hate to say. Oh, you know what? I forgot. I thought that Mayfield had years beyond this left, but he's only got one year left. So, unfortunately, because he's a rental, I have to say no. Yeah, I, I, that's an easy no. One, the Islanders aren't selling. They just went out and got Bo Horvat. You're. They're not se- they're not selling Scott Mayfield. Have they I mean, I'm a- since getting Horvath. 
I think they won a couple. I don't know. Either way, he's he's not available. I'm not paying a second round pick for for a rental. And I'm also not a fan of Scott Mayfield. So that's an easy pass for me. All right. Islanders um, are two one and two since trading for Borbat. Okay. All right. This is from Cam at Find UR Soul. Uh Duclair for Gerard and a twenty twenty five second round pick. I mean so this is a spin-off of what I said initially that uh, maybe Sam Bennett for Sam Gerard. Yeah, Joe that's Sackett, a anyway. lot more intriguing than Duclair for Pulley Joe Sackick would be drunk off his ass to take that trade. Yeah. I don't think that they would be interested in Duclair because they're fine on the wings, but True. a center they would potentially be interested in trading like Gerard Sam for. Bennett. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've only been proposing Bennett for a defenseman for a year and a half. <laughs> but th- th- there's just there's there's no world where that that offer gets accepted. Like yeah, that's true. What you mean there's no world where Bennett uh, No, where Duclair gets accepted? Duclair, yeah. Duclair, yeah, yeah. Duclair for Gerard. Duclair for Gerard and a pick. Yeah, Sakic is not. I, I would yeah, say Duclair for Duclair for Gerard period doesn't get accepted. Yeah, I don't yeah. think Duclair and a second for Gerard gets accepted, frankly. That's it. All right, moving on. Um, this is from at Devin Nolf. Year for the record. This at this is from at Devin Nolf. Third round pick and some prospect for Luke Shen or Nick Sealer if we end up being in the pre- playoff race. I will fucking find you and end you. No, Luke Shen is yeah. not a good hockey. Luke player. Shen is Luke Shen is a non-starter for me. How I like, mean, Luke Shen's Luke Shen's fine. I don't. I feel like you no, guys are a little bit not. too hard. No, he sucks. He Luke Shen is so is bad. he good Branson level? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, God, cool. we're no. talking about one of the worst players in the NHL when you mentioned Eric Goodbranson. Um, Nick Sealer, I am interested in. I think I, Nick Sealer solves a lot of our problems. Isn't Nick Sealer more like a basically a, a Luke Shen in the making? He's. Prime Luke Shen, I would say. Luke Shen is the ho- is the hockey guy's sleeper deadline deal. Yeah, which is why we should not be interested because you're just going to be buying super high. Also, I think he's a pending UFA, so again, rentals off the table for me. Well, look, I'm I'm okay with a rental when you're trading a fourth round pick or later, but like, don't bring me don't bring me a, ch- a cheaper Mark Sherrod, uh Ben Sherrod. Way to combine the names of our two least favorite defensemen. A slightly um, better Mark Stahl. Yeah. yeah, no, Nick Nick Sealer, I would be, I would, I would be interested in. He I don't know if he's a if he if he's a top four guy, though. I don't think he is. Um I, I maybe in a pinch he can play on your second pair. But I don't know. A Sealer Montour pair might work. Mm. Next. All right, guys, we got uh, Aaron Ekblad trade proposal, actually, from somebody who has, uh, who said he's a longtime listener and fan of the show. So shout out to Andreas. The proposal is Aaron Ekblad to the Oilers for Evan Bouchard, Jesse Puglia-Yarvi, and a third-round pick. His rationale is that people uh, still think that Ekblad is the player of last year, you know, where he could actually be more like the player of this year and future years. I have 
a very important question uh, that I have to ask before I can respond to that. Mm-hmm. If you trade Aaron Ekblad, who do you put in his spot? I you guess don't. the idea would be Evan Bouchard. Uh-uh. Bouchard is not a, a number one D right now. I'm not sure he will be at this point. Yeah, in his I, I I wouldn't guess so. Um, I feel like the the assumption there is that your first pairing becomes Forsling Montour, who in fairness do play very well together. Uh and we saw that while Ekblad was out last season. Um like they, they played effectively as a top pair last year. Um wasn't it Forsling weaker? Um I, I don't know. Either way, if you're gonna Didn't Forsling and Montour play together. They played together at some points, but I don't. Well, think I mean, I know Forsling and Montour. I know Forsling Montour was the second pairing when Ekblad was healthy. Anyway, um, what's up, uh, Alex? I would say if you're even going to consider trading Aaron Ekblad, you better be getting one hell of a return. Yeah, and, and that's that not is not one hell of a return. Yeah. I mean, and we're also just assuming that you know no trade clauses don't matter here, because um, I'd be shocked if Aaron Ekblad waived for the Oilers. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the team with McDavid on it, so I wouldn't be it, shocked. It, it doesn't matter. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know I, if that's I, I'm the sorry, Andreas, thank you for listening to the pod. Thank you for being an active listener. But that is not a complete fleecing of the Oilers. That is the, yeah, the you, Panthers need, you need getting, more back. The Panthers getting absolutely fleeced because despite his struggles this year due to injury, Aaron Ekblad is a number one defenseman in the NHL when he is healthy and you aren't getting anywhere close to value for number one, number one defenseman in that deal. All right. All right. And let's it, end with this one. Well, are there more Ekblad let's, ones? Like let's knock it. I think we can, ones? I think we can all agree what this one is a slam dunk. Uh, so this is from friend of the show, Adam Cohen at Sir Braun two, two seven. He says one for one Ryan Lomberg for Connor McDavid. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> that? That's a hard no. That's uh, where there's that. Yeah, no, Panthers say no. Lomberg better. All right. So anything else that we want to get to before we close out this episode? Um, I see one. Um, Michael Circle. Mm-hmm. Reinhardt plus a third for Jacob Chikrin. I um one, I don't think um I don't think the Coyotes take that because they don't want uh Sam Reinhardt. And yeah, I they would think, be in the same position. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't think you can get enough for Sam Reinhart to flip those assets for plus a third for Jacob Chickman. Yeah. I think I would do that, though, if Arizona said yes. Oh, I, oh absolutely. A, absolutely. Sorry, sorry you, Sam Reinhart, but yeah, yes. you absolutely do that. Sam, Sam Reinhart, the highest paid Panther. <laughs> right, right. Highest paid um, Panther forward or whatever it was. I think the tweet was the highest paid Panther. Did yeah, it I think you're right. Forward? I don't. I don't know. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Um, Jerry Sullivan got canceled. So, he, he, I mean, here's a couple that we can <laughs> rats rat on ice nine. Anthony Duclair for Va- Vladislav Gavrikov. I think that's an easy no. Anything for Vladislav Gavrikov is an easy no. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't understand the hype around Gavrikov. He's not that good. No, I mean he's just functional, and seemingly teams are giving up a lot for functional these yeah. days. He's yeah. not. He's not the difference maker on a playoff team. No, I mean this is just another David Savard situation, where like, yeah, maybe he is 
like a piece, but seriously, you're going to pay a first round pick plus for a third pairing defenseman, which is what David Savard was for the lightning. Oh, I've got a good one here, guys. Uh-huh. At valet 804 and some other numbers, a purple Gatorade for Mark Stahl. <laughs> some other numbers. Yeah. yeah. You got to take it. You got to take it. Wait, what, a, was the, what was the proposal? A purple Gatorade for Mark Stahl. Oh, that's Make a it, steal. Yeah, that's a steal. If you get an orange Gatorade as well, which is my favorite, like even better. Yeah. See if you can get a Quest bar as well. Um, no, honestly. Okay. I I think I think we could probably swing Stahl specifically uh, for a Gatorade with the uh, the the like, twisty bottle. Yeah. The top that yeah. twists and you can like, yeah. But the Gatorade is the important part, not the bottle. Yeah. I think it's both. All it's right. like the Gatorade itself is the player. The bottle is the draft pick. All right. Well, Jacob says do judge your book by its cover. Um, Gatorade is transparent. Here, here's another one from someone who's You constantly... can see everything you're getting just by looking at the bottle. I got a, I got another one here that's that's interesting. It's from a friend. Well, constant uh, someone is always in our mentions, just interacting with us. Uh, Yodi one one, uh, Shasirkin and Truba for Bob Ekblad, Heponiemi and Kirstead. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, hold on, yeah, hold on, sure. hold on. There were way more names than that than I was ready to comprehend. Yeah. I, I was I wanted to see Jacob Igor. It's Igor and Truba for Bob Ekblad, Hepo and. Kirstead. I mean, that would be one of the most one-sided oh, trades of all time. And as much that, and that's with me like that's just Ekblad for Shesterkin with extra steps. Yeah. Like <laughs> Truba sucks, first of all. And I'm yeah. very sad to say that because I used to love him, but he Same. has fallen off a cliff since yeah. getting traded uh, since probably before getting traded in New York his last year or two in Winnipeg were not good um but yeah getting the that's get, getting the best goalie on earth and you get rid of Bob's contract yeah uh, i mean there's no way the rangers say yes to that but um it, I, that, that, again like i i hate to say this but hepo's value is just it's decreasing yeah, I can't. so you, you, quickly. You got oh, it. You I thought you were about right. to say that you would say you wouldn't do it because of Hepo. You got it right, no. Jacob. It's it's Ekblad for Shesterkin. Right. Yeah, everything else in there is a whole bunch of nothing. Like I get the the Bob for Truba part of it is bad contract for bad contract. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's just that's that's Ekblad and Shesterkin and a whole bunch of nothing. And then this one I need to mention because this person is now my mortal enemy. Um, Knox Harrington at I'm underscore the underscore walrus. Montour and Reinhardt for Chris Wells. I will end you, sir. End you. That's one for the old heads. Not even I really understand that, but I know I it's one for the either. old heads. <laughs> How do you not remember Stu Barnes? I remember Chris Stu Wells. Barnes. Yeah, we traded him for Chris Wells. Let's see. I, I, I just want to see something real quick. It's the trade that... Chris basically... Wells was a Panther from 1996 until 1999. Sorry, until 2000. I was still... I still lived in New York 
I, like he he wasn't I, I hadn't even moved to Chicago yet, let alone Florida. So you'll have to excuse me for having no fucking clue who Chris Wells is. Yeah, he's before our time. That that's really as as simple as it is. Uh, we're running a little bit short on time, but there's one more I do want to mention because I really love the oh, idea. Oh wait, I take it back. Chris Wells played for Milan. Milan, HC Milan. Wow. I now love him, and I accept that trade proposal. Ma, that's a surprise meatball. All right. Don't don't do that. <laughs> Speaking this of the Kyle Super Mario Green. Brothers movie is coming out soon. We're okay. we're gonna end with this one because uh, we're no we're not we're running long. Because I, I have to get this quote in. Okay. Do you want to know how former Panthers GM Bill Murray uh, or Brian Murray, whichever the Murray brothers it was, oh, said Bill about Murray's this trade? An actor. Yeah, whatever. Brian Murray, do you want to know what he said about this trade? What? You cannot pass an opportunity to acquire someone of his size and skill. Because Chris right. Wells is six foot six and Stu Barnes I mean, was like five ten. That's what any GM ever would say for trading for a tall player that's not like i i don't really take that as it is that's that's just pretty canned i traded for a player who is six foot six but that is relevant detail so thank you for bringing that up alex like i've been saying we're running long so this is going to be the last one it's from kyle green this doesn't actually involve a trade proposal but he says Let's just go for Max Sams, keep Sam Bennett, trade for Gerard, and then get another Sam defenseman and forward and play all five Sams at the same time. Oh, and, oh, and get Sam Wait, to go back as well. No. Um, <laughs> Sam going with an all having Sam a very strong season. Really, like, could not see this one coming. Yeah, go look it up. It's been It's been very strong, actually. I refuse. To believe. Yeah, he sucked here, so I wasn't I wasn't like you know gonna cry about it. Either he way. also wasn't good. Hold on, I no, I just I just actively refuse to believe that Montembeau is. Holy shit! <laughs> You're just seeing Sam Montembeau stats. Fifteen point six two goals saved above expected. I I think it's just because he faces what such a volume hell? of shot. It's just because of uh, the volume of shots and chances that he faces, I think. But but his Delta Fenwick save percentage is also positive. This dude is, he's having a fucking great season. Yeah, good for him. Like, what the hell? You just got to throw your hands up in the air. Good for him. I, you know, didn't see it coming. It's the eighth best G-Sacks in the league. It's better than Shesterkin. Sorry, than both Panthers won. goalies. Yodi Wan, I'm sorry. We're 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 reorganizing your trade proposal. Uh, instead of Shesterkin and Truba, uh, we'll take Montembeau and Matheson. Let's do it. Full on family reunion. Why not get Dad and <laughs> Hoffman too? You know what? Well, no. Then we need to keep Ekblad. We're bringing the 2019 team back, and we're gonna put Matheson and Ekblad together. All right, oh, that's the last thing that we're saying in this episode. Any, I mean, I guess whatever. You guys want to say any any last words? I want to talk about wasting time in school playing video games. We'll but do I guess that when I that hit the episode. stop button or when Jake hits the stop button. Yeah, fuck no, you. I want, I want to record the stop that. Button. No. 
that's, Ra- that's rate, a story rate for, us that's, five stars that's at an the awesome uh, story. at the mart with the blue roof that's next to the hospital. <laughs> what are those called? Are those called Pokemarts? They are, yes. Okay, rate us five stars at the nearest Pokemart. There's a promotion. You get a um. What are some of the items you can buy at those things? I don't remember this stuff. Pokeballs, potions, ether. You get, you get buy one, get one fifty percent off on on uh, on regular Pokeballs. Repels, if you mentioned you Panther Parade. You get Repels, one, buy one, get one fifty percent off. I I think I fear I may have gotten Jake started, and I don't know if I can get him stopped at this point. So if that's going to be it for this, I'm just going to start naming every single item that has ever been for sale at a Pokemart. Thank you all for listening. Great balls, ultra balls, and we'll talk to you again next week. Dive balls, heal balls, tire balls. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.